0: You're listening to the Bank of Marquis movie podcast. Oh, it's good to be back.
1: The notary's here. Front and center. I'm sorry, he's very eccentric. I am Iron Man. The suit and I are one. Contrary to popular belief, I know exactly what I'm doing. What? What I saw you do to Tony Stark on that track? Wow. You need my resources. I want to make Iron Man look like an antique. This whole lone gunslinger act is unnecessary. You don't have to do this alone. Come on! Mr. Stark displays textbook narcissism.
0: Agreed.
2: And that, of course, is the trailer to the 2010 superhero film Iron Man 2. Hi, I'm Andy, and I like movies all sorts of movies. Movies from old Hollywood, that's films before 1960. Films from new Hollywood, that's the films of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And films of modern Hollywood, that's the films from 1990 through today. And today we'll be doing a deep dive and reminiscence of the 2002 Marvel Cinematic Universe film Iron Man 2. The third film of Phase One of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Returning from the first Iron Man film is Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man. Gwyneth Paltrow, Pepper Potts. And Jon Favreau as Happy Hogan, bodyguard to Tony Stark. And director of this film. We also have recurring cameo appearances by Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. Joining in on the fun in this go-around is Scarlett Johansson as Natalie Rushman, Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, Sam Rockwell as Tony Stark rival, Justin Hammer, Mickey Rourke as villain Ivan Vanko slash Whiplash, John Slattery as Howard Stark, and Gary Shandling as Senator Stern. Also joining the cast is John Cheadle, who takes over the role of James Rhodey Rhodes from Terrence Howard. As I said, this film was directed by Jon Favreau and written by Justin Thoreau. Now, following the successful release of Iron Man in May 2008, Marvel Studios announced and immediately set to work on producing a sequel. Now, in July of that same year, Thoreau was hired to write the script and Favreau was signed on to return and direct. Downey, Paltrow, and Jackson were set to reprise their role. Now, Don Cheadle was hired to replace Terrence Howard. Being replaced, Howard stated... There was no explanation. Apparently, the contracts that we write and sign aren't worth the paper that they're printed on. Now, Entertainment Weekly stated that Favreau did not enjoy working with Howard, often reshooting and cutting his scenes. It also has been wildly reported that Howard wanted his role of roadie to be elevated to an equal status as Tony Stark.
0: Get on with it! Yes! Get on with it! Yes. There's been speculation that I was involved in the events that occurred and the rooftop. Sorry,
2: now the film opens as the first Iron Man film ended with a press conference held by Tony Stark where he announces I am Iron Man we fade to a cold blue wintry Eastern European country we find out later that it is Russia where a poor man and his son is watching the press conference on TV the old man calls to his son Ivan he turns to the camera and we see that it is none other than Mickey Rourke Ivan comforts his father telling him not to listen to that crap. The father passes away and Ivan takes a big long drag on a bottle of vodka. I mean what else? This is Russia. He screams in sadness and anger and we see Yvonne pull out a blueprint of the famous arc reactor that is keeping Tony Stark alive and is powering the Iron Man suit. On this blueprint we see that Howard Stark, Tony's father, was assisted by Anton Vanko, Yvonne's father. Yvonne gets to work making something as the credits roll. We see during the credits pages of magazines and newspapers telling the tale of Iron Man and Ivan's walls. This serves two purposes, to remind the audience of the Tony Stark Iron Man character and to tell the obsession that Yvonne is feeling. He is obsessed with avenging his family's honor by taking down the Stark family. After the credits, we cut to... Six months later, we see Iron Man leaping out of a plane. Is he going on a mission? Nope, he's making a personal appearance at the Stark Expo in Flushing, New York.
0: Oh, it's good to be
1: back.
2: Tony, Robert Downey Jr., reprising his role from the first film... Now, if you'd like to hear his bio, listen to episode four of the Bank of Markets podcast, Iron Man.
1: Because I haven't
0: come across anyone who's man enough to go toe-to-toe with me on my best day.
2: Tony introduces a clip of his father on film, Howard Stark, played by John Slatterly.
0: It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not even about us. It's about legacy.
2: Now, clearly... The character of Howard Stark is based on Walt
0: Disney. Better living, robust health, and for the first time in human history, the possibility of world peace. So from all of us here at Stark Industries, I would like to personally introduce you to the city of the future.
2: Now, a side fact, the layout and many of the buildings of Stark Expo 1974 were based on the 64-65 New York World's Fair. Now, Howard Stark's presentation of his idea for a futuristic city is heavily influenced by Walt Disney's television revelation of his new Epcot Center, the environmental prototype City of Tomorrow, Welcome. and his accompanying Florida project, which returned to Disney World. Now, the 3D map of the city closely mimics that of Epcot's, and the poster behind Stark are from World's Fair in which Disney had a great influence. In addition, one of the very few real life 1964 World's Fair buildings included in the Stark Expo is a replica of the General Electric Pavilion, which famously featured Disney's Carousel of Progress. Another side fact Richard Sherman contributed the song Make Way for Tomorrow to this movie. And it's a song very similar to There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, which Richard and his brother Robert Sherman composed for the Carousel of Progress.
0: Nice see oh, man. Oh, man. Larry. Oh, yes.
2: We then get a POV from Tony's perspective of him leaving the expo. There is Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle, and Larry King. Or at least it's Stan Lee in his cameo as Larry King. Now, Tony has served a subpoena by a U.S. marshal uh, before she was famous, Kate Mara.
1: You are hereby ordered to appear before the Senate Armed Services Committee tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.
2: We then go to the Armed Services Committee Pick meeting up headed up now, by we'll Senator Stern, off. Gary Shandling. Stark, please. Now Stark is yes, seen bantering with Pepper pen Potts,
0: pen. Absolutely.
1: Gwyneth do Paltrow. Do you or do you not possess a specialized weapon? I do not. You do not?
0: I do not. Well, it depends on how you define the word weapon. The Iron Man weapon. My device does not fit that description.
2: Senator Stern introduces Justin Hammer, CEO of Hammer Industries, the DOD primary systems contractor, played by Sam Rockwell. Clearly, Stark and Hammer are rivals, and there is no mutual respect between them.
0: Let the record reflect that I observed
1: Mr. Hammer entering the chamber, and I am wondering if and when any actual expert will also be in attendance.
2: Now, side fact, Hammer is the only person in any of the Iron Man Avengers films that calls Tony Stark
1: Anthony. I defer to you, Anthony. You're the wonder boy. Uh, Senator, if I may.
2: Now, Senator Stern introduces a surprise witness, Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes, now played by Don Cheadle. Rhodes starts by telling Stark,
1: it's me. I'm here.
2: Deal with it. Let's move on. Now, this is aligned with a dual purpose. First off, establishing the character's relationship between Stark and Rhodey, and also the filmmaker's wink to Cheadle taking over from Terrence Howard. So let's talk about Don Cheadle. All right, Don Cheadle, he's one of those actors that I root for every time I see him on the screen. He has a earnestness in his face and demeanor that really makes me hope that he succeeds. So he was born in Kansas City, Missouri on November 29th, 1964. Uh, Like a lot of actors, he moved around a lot in his youth, finally graduating from high school in Denver, Colorado. He then attended and graduated from the California Institute of the Arts with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. Uh, uh, From there, he went on a variety of auditions uh, and landed roles in the hit TV series Fame, which led him to feature film roles in movies such as Colors and Hamburger Hill. After Hamburger Hill, he did some guest appearances on TV series like Night Court, China Beach, and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air before inexplicably landing the role of Roland Wilson in The Golden Palace, the sequel to the TV series The Golden Girls. He then would go back to the movies to portray Goldilocks in the superhero spoof movie Meteor Man, and played Rooster in Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, a really interesting action-suspense-crime thriller that, if you haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend it. Also in 1995, he was named Best Supporting Actor by the Los Angeles Film Critics for his breakout performance opposite Denzel Washington in Devil in a Blue Dress. He then would go on to play D.A. John Littleton in the TV series Picket Fences, and then did small roles in films such as Rosewood and Volcano before being one of the more memorable characters in the ensemble piece Boogie Nights, an inside look at the porn industry starring Mark Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds, Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, amongst others. He appeared in the Warren Beatty comedy Bullworth and then played Maurice Miller in Out of Sight, another action-thriller starring George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. And again, if you haven't seen Out of Sight, I highly recommend it. He then turned around and played Sammy Davis Jr. in the very good TV movie, The Rat Pack, in 1998. He then earned critical acclaim as Montel Gordon in Traffic in 2000, before entering the action field as Roberts in Swordfish, a not-as-good-as-it-should-have-been action flick starring John Travolta and Halle Berry. He then earned his only Academy Award nomination as Paul in Hotel Rwanda, and was part of the ensemble in the Oscar winning 2004 film Crash, so 2004 was a very good year for him. Uh, in between, he was part of Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve and Ocean's Thirteen, before appearing as James Rhodey Rhodes in Iron Man 2 and 2010, a role he would repeat many times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Besides his Marvel roles, he played Miles Davis in the biopic Miles Ahead in 2015, and currently has one, two, three, four, five projects uh, on the docket uh, to be released either this year or next. So there is much, much more to be seen from this great underrated character actor. Now back in Russia, Ivan watches the Senate proceedings on TV. Gosh, C-SPAN can be viewed anywhere. And continues to make his suit. Now it has some sort of electronic whip attached to it. Now back at home, Stark works at his lab and is checking on his health. Tony pulls out a monitor that shows his blood toxicity level is 19%. He shrugs and puts the monitor away. Jarvis, the voice of Paul Bettany, gives Stark a reality check on his health.
0: It appears that the continued use of the Iron Man suit is accelerating your condition. Unfortunately, the device that's keeping you alive is also killing you. Miss Potts is approaching. I recommend that you inform her. Mute.
2: Now enter Pepper Potts, Gwyneth Paltrow, whose bio can also be heard in the Iron Man what? episode what number four The Bank of Marquis. Angry. They banter.
0: We have already awarded contracts yeah. to the wind farm people. Don't say wind farm. And I'm to already feeling gassy. the plastic plantation treat which was yeah. your idea, by the way. Those right. people are on payroll. Everything was and my idea. Make a I don't care
1: about the I liberal can't... agenda anymore. It's boring, boring. I'm giving you a boring word. You do it. I'm
2: and mess, Tony makes idea. Pepper the CEO of Stark Industries. Pepper needs
1: you to run the company. Well, stop trying you to do it. And do it. I'm not you asking you to try to do it. I'm asking you to physically do it.
2: I need
0: you to do it. I am trying to do it. You're not listening to me. I'm trying to make you CEO.
2: Now we cut to Tony sparring with his chauffeur bodyguard Happy Hogan, director John Favreau, reprising his role from Iron Man and also directing this film as he did the original Iron Man. And you can hear his bio in episode four as well. What
0: the hell was that?
1: It's called Mixed Martial Arts. It's been around for three weeks. It's now. called dirty boxing. It's nothing new about it. Now
2: Pepper brings a notary in to witness the documents of Tony making Pepper CEO of Stark Industries.
1: I promise you this is the only time I will ask Almost you to in. sign over your Almost company. In.
2: Tony is distracted by the attractive notary.
1: What's her name, lady? Rushman, Natalie Rushman. Front and center. Come into the church. No, you're seriously not going to If it pleases her. the court... Which it does. It's no problem. I'm sorry. He's very eccentric. Can you uh, give her a lesson? No problem.
2: Her name is Natalie Rushman, played by Scarlett Johansson. she?
1: She is from Legal, and she is potentially a very. Who gets
2: in the ring with Happy? Now Natalie kicks Happy's ass. I want one. No. We then cut to the Grand Prix of Monaco, where Tony runs into, amongst others, Elon Musk.
1: How are you? Congratulations thank on the promotion. Thank you very much. You're great. Great. Those Merlin engines are fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Good idea for an electric jet. You do. Yeah. Then we'll make it work.
2: And of course, Justin
1: Hammer. Anthony, is that you? My least favorite hey, pal. person on earth, Justin How are you Hammer. doing?
2: In the bathroom, Tony really sees that his here. blood toxicity level car. is over fifty percent and asks himself.
0: Got any other bad ideas? <laughs>
2: he decides to drive in the Grand Prix of Monaco. Now as Tony drives in the race, Ivan walks onto the track and reveals the outfit that we later come to know as Whiplash. He cuts race cars in half with his electronic whip, including Tony's. Happy and Pepper bring Tony his portable Iron Man suit, and we have our first Iron Man action scene. And while that scene is going on, let's talk about the actor who plays Yvonne Vanko, Whiplash, Mickey Rourke. Okay, Mickey Rourke. Well, my mother has a phrase, rode hard and put away wet. And if you want to know what that means, take a look at Mickey Rourke's picture from early in his career to one later in his career. It doesn't even look like the same person. Years of drug and alcohol abuse has really taken a toll on his body. And when he was younger, he was certainly a good-looking pin-up boy type, nowadays, character actor. But he was born on September 16, 1952 in Schenectady, New York, and moved with his mother to Miami Beach, where he graduated from high school. Now, Rourke's teenage years were more aimed towards sports than acting. He took up self-defense training, and there he learned boxing, and decided on an amateur career. Now, Rourke received many concussions from his boxing careers, and doctors told him to take a year off and rest, and decide to give acting a try. He appeared in the film 1941 in 1979, Fade to Black in 1980, uh, had a bit part as Nick Ray in Heaven's Gate, the infamous Michael Cimino film in 1980, as well as a small role as Teddy Lewis in Body Heat in 81. He then hit the big time as Robert Boogie Sheftel in the Barry Levinson film Diner, uh, which is a a wonderful coming-of-age film that takes place mostly in a diner in Baltimore in the late 50s. He followed that up as the Motorcycle Boy in Rumblefish in 83 and as Charlie in the Pope of Greenwich Village in 1984. And This and the next film he did, Year of the Dragon, uh, established him as an action hero, Heartthrob. He played Harry Angel in Angel Heart, opposite uh, Robert De Niro and Lisa Bonet of Cosby Show fame. Played Henry in Barfly, opposite uh, Fading, Faye Dunaway in 1987. He played the title character of Johnny Handsome in Johnny Handsome in 1989. And then was Harley Davidson in Harley Davidson and the Marble Man in 1991. After that... He was really relegated to uh, minor roles in minor pictures, such as Out in 50 in 1999 and Spun in 2002 and the horror film They Crawl. None of these would win Academy Awards. He did make a comeback of sorts in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, playing Billy in 2003 and Marv in Sin City in 2005, and which was a very interesting movie, and by that time Rourke's physical appearance had deteriorated, but he worked well as the aging boxer in Sin City because he looked like an aging boxer. He then earned his only Academy Award nomination playing Randy the Ram Robinson, a washed-up, over-the-hill wrestler in The Wrestler, still trying to make it in the wrestling business, or at least earn a paycheck in the wrestling business. Um, he was fantastic and devastating and sad and wonderful in this film uh, it's one of those kind of movies i'm glad i saw and i never want to see again following his academy award nomination for the wrestler producers approached him to play ivan Vanko in iron man 2 and then he played tool in the expendables in 2010. since then he's kind of gone back to b-movies Though he did reprise the role of Marv in Sin City: A Dame to Kill For in 2014, but has since played things like Colonel Redding in War Pigs in 2015 and the Projectionist in Nightmare Cinema in 2018. Uh, currently, he has one, two, three, four uh, items uh, yet to be uh, released, according to his IMDb page. So we'll see what other kind of interesting adventures Mickey Work will get into going forward.
0: Yo, yo,
2: now Iron Man easily defeats Whiplash, and Stark goes to visit Vanko in prison.
0: Pretty decent tech. Cycles per second were a little
1: low. You come from a family of thieves and butchers. Speaking of thieves, where did you get this design? My father, Anton am well, I never heard of him. My father is the reason you're alive. The reason I'm alive is because you had a shot. You took it. You missed. Did I? If you can make God bleed, then people will cease to believe
0: in him.
2: After Stark leaves, Vanko, with some unknown assistance, escapes from jail. Banco's head is covered and he is whisked away in the van. This is probably a good time for an intermission.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. Hey, there he is. There he is.
2: And we're back. The hood is pulled off of Vanko's head. He is in an airplane hangar. And Justin Hammer is there to meet him.
1: Can we get the handcuffs off my friend here?
2: So while Hammer reviews his plan with Vanko on how to defeat Get Revenge on Tony Stark and the Stark family, let's talk about the actor portraying Justin Hammer. The great Sam Rockwell. Now, Sam Rockwell is one of those actors who you think is an overnight sensation, who made it big right away and has continued to climb. But in reality, if you look at his IMDb, you will see that he struggled for years in small roles, getting whatever job you can get, until his big break happened. So he was born on November 5th, 1968 in San Mateo, California. Uh, His parents moved to Manhattan when he was two. And then when he was five, his parents separated and he moved to San Francisco with his father and spent summers with his mother in New York. Now, he made his acting debut when he was 10 years old alongside his mother. And while still in high school, he got his first big break when he appeared in the independent film Clown House. He then would do a variety of roles such as an ABC After School special, HBO's Life Stories, Families in Crisis, and Head Thug. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in nineteen ninety. But it really was a Miller Ice Beer commercial in nineteen ninety four that started his ascent. He was able to quit his day job after that. And he quickly appeared in movies like Basquiat, Glory Days, Mercy, and the critically acclaimed film Lawn Dogs in nineteen ninety seven. His career really kicked into high gear in 1999 when he appeared in a couple of high-profile hit films, first appearing as Wild Bill Wharton in The Green Mile, and if you want to hear more about The Green Mile, check out episode 15 of the Bank of Marcos Movies podcast, and then played Guy Fleegman, that's the guy in the red shirt, in the Star Trek spoof Galaxy Quest in 1991 starring Tim Allen, Alan Rickman, and Sigourney Weaver. He next played the villain Eric Knox in Charlie's I'm Angels really in 2000, and then starred as Chuck Barris in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind in 2002, <laughs> hey. which is just a quirky little oddball movie hey. that's uh, yes. very interesting and he's great in it. Uh, other films of the early 2000s include Matchstick Men, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Snow Angels. <laughs> And then he played Charlie Ford in The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford in 2007. And at that point, you kind of go, this guy's got something. He then would play James Rustin Jr. in Frost Nixon in 2008. And then appeared in the independent film Moon, directed by Duncan Jones. And if you have never seen this uh, really solo film, It's very interesting. And his portrayal of Sam Bell in that film shot him up to the A-list, which then got him into Iron Man 2 in 2010. Uh, Interesting side fact, uh, director Jon Favreau said in the DVD commentary of Iron Man 2 that... Sam Rockwell was one of the finalists for the role of Tony Stark. Ever since then, Favreau's been looking for an opportunity to put him in one of these Marvel movies and hit the jackpot with Justin Hammer. Played Doc in The Disappointing Cowboys and Aliens, directed by Favreau and starring Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford. Played Billy in Seven Psychopaths, which I absolutely loved. And Owen in The Way Way Back, again, another very good underrated film, was in The Disappointing Remake of Poltergeist in 2015. and then won an Academy Award as Best Supporting Actor in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri in 2017 as the racist deputy who becomes sheriff of Ebbing, Missouri. And if you haven't seen this movie, it's very good. And if you haven't seen his performance in this film, check it out. He's very, very good. He followed that up the next year playing George W. Bush in Vice and earned his second Academy Award nomination. But it's one of these deals that he won the year before, so... Really, there was no way he was going to win two years in a row for Best Supporting Actor. In 2019, he had a trio of appearances that were stellar. He played Bob Fosse in the Fosse-Verdon TV miniseries, earning a Golden Globe nomination for his performance there, as well as an Emmy nomination. And then appeared as disillusioned Luftwaffe officer Captain Kleisendorf in Jojo Rabbit. And again, if you haven't seen this film, uh, check it out. It's one of my favorites of 2019. And then played Watson Bryant, the defense attorney for Richard Jewell in Richard Jewell. A film that's not as good as it could have been, but he's wonderful in it. Currently, he has one, two, three, four, five items in the hopper. So uh, I look forward to many, many more years of wonderful, fine performances by this great character actor. Now Hammer brings Vanko to his lab in Queens.
1: This is where we do it. This is my humble abode.
2: And shows him his prototype Iron Man suits.
1: Oh, here they are. Very excited. They're combat ready. I may have done a few miscalculations. and Rush the prototype in a production. (laughs) Sue me. I'm enthusiastic. Side fact,
2: this warehouse is actually Elon Musk's Manufacturing site, which is why Elon Musk oh, had a cameo earlier in this to... movie.
1: Wow, okay. Good stuff. The voice soft, Governor. Sorry? Soft, we shit. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> you're good.
2: Now, Hammer explains to Vanka what he wants. What
1: you want them to do? Well, long term, I want them to put me in the Pentagon for the next 25 years. I want to make Iron Man look like an antique. I want to go to that Stark Expo. I want to take a dump in Tony's front yard. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. No problem. Hey, fabulous. I love it. Yeah. Hey, this is our guy. <laughs> I, I, I had
2: a feeling. Meanwhile, back at Tony's house, his blood toxicity level continues to escalate. He knows he's dying, and he knows there's nothing he can do about it. Do you know so he does the wrong only wrong thing wrong. that he can think of doing. He gets drunk and throws himself a birthday pity party, much to the chagrin of Pepper and Rhodey. Hey, Pepper.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get some air. What's wrong? I don't know what to do. You got to be
2: kidding me. Oh. Rhodey puts on the war machine suit to try to stop Tony
1: going to say this once. Get out.
2: So, Rhodey and Tony go mano a mano, or rather, machine to machine. This is actually a very well-drawn-out and executed fight scene with CGI robot battling CGI robot. So, instead of hearing crunching, punching, and blasting, how about we do punching, crunching, and blasting with our standard MCU fight music. the fight, Tony realizes he is out of control and chills atop the famous Randy's Donut sign. Here, he is visited by a friend.
1: Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut.
2: This, of course, is Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., played by Samuel L. Jackson, whose bio is detailed in the Pulp Fiction Part 1 podcast on Episode 11. And, of course, Nick Fury was seen in the credit scene of the first Iron Man film.
1: I'm sorry, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot, too. I? Look at the patch of the eye. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a bit hungover. I'm not sure if you're real or if... if I'm having to very... I am very real. I'm the realest person you're ever going to meet.
2: Now they are joined inside Where's Randy's
1: Donuts by not
2: S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, who is none other than Stark Enterprise's legal assistant, Natalie you're Rushman. Fired. So we now have the third of our Avengers up. introduced. Want you to meet Agent Romanov.
1: Hi. I'm a Shield Shadow. Once we knew you were ill, I was tasked to you by Director Fury.
2: So let's talk about Black Widow herself, Scarlett Johansson, a former child actress who turned into a stunningly beautiful model turned actress. Scarlett Johansson has since developed into just an all around wonderful performing artist. She was born in 1984 in New York City and began acting during childhood after her mother started taking her to auditions. She made her professional acting debut at the age of eight in the off-Broadway production of Sophistry with Ethan Hawke at New York's Playwrights Horizon. She made her film debut at the age of nine as John Ritter's daughter in the fantasy comedy North, directed by Rob Reiner, and she played the role of Amanda in Manny and low in 1996, which garnered her a nomination for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Lead Female. After appearing in a minor role in Home Alone 3, Johansson earned strong praise for her performance in The Horse Whisperer, directed by Robert Redford in 1998, where she received a nomination for the Chicago Film Critics Association Award for most promising actress. Her next role was her breakout role in Ghost World in 2001 and then was also featured in the Coen Brothers dark drama and the man who wasn't there. She then appeared in the horror comedy Eight-Legged Freaks. It was at this point that her career really took off with a stunningly amazing performance in Lost in Translation Opposite Bill Murray. She followed that up as the title character in Girl with a Pearl Earring and was the voice of Mindy in SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. She then appeared in the Woody Allen film Match Point. And opposite Ewan McGregor yeah, bird, in The Island. Girl. And this is where I thought, okay, now she's being pigeonholed the as that's the action, yeah. action yeah. actress wearing tight bird? cat suits like and running bird. around because that's pretty much what she did in this movie. She was good in it, but she ran around in a tight cat suit the whole time. But came back with the Christopher well, Nolan film, The bird. Prestige, I mean, a, in 2006, and I mean, she well, showed that so she can be more than just a good-looking gal in a tight cat catsuit. Uh, she played Mary Boleyn in The Disappointing The Other Boleyn Girl in 2008, and played Christina in Vicky Christina Barcelona in 2008, another wonderful Woody Allen flick. She was Anna and He's Just Um, Not That Into You, a fun romantic comedy that I enjoyed probably more than it deserved to be enjoyed. But I thought it was a fun little movie. She then started her time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Natalie Rushman and Natasha Romanoff in Iron Man 2. See, uh, she mean, would then go on to play the there. character of Black Widow that's in seven other MCU head. movies thus far. Uh, she played Kelly Foster opposite Matt understand? Damon in the Misfire Brother. We Bought a Why, Zoo in 2011. It was a convincing, was a convincing Janet better? Lee in problem. the movie Hitchcock but in 2012. Uh, she played a very I mean, interesting role you know, of the female I in like a very interesting film called Under the Skin no in 2013. That's what and was the voice me. of Samantha, no the AI that Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with suits. in like Her Iron in 2013. She re-teamed with Iron, with Iron, with Iron, Iron, Iron Man director Jean Favreau in yeah. the it's drama comedy Chef in 2014. Played Lucy in the disappointing action flick Lucy in 2014. Boy, I wanted that movie to be good, and it just wasn't. Neither was Hail Caesar, a Coen Brothers misfire of the highest order in 2016. She was the voice of Ka in The Jungle Book and the voice of Ash in Sing in 2016. And then was in another misfire, Ghost in the Shell, in 2017. So not all her choices have been great. Um, She was actually pretty good in the comedy Rough Night in 2017, which I enjoyed. Again, probably more than it needed to be enjoyed, but I enjoyed it. Joined the Wes Anderson Group as the voice of Nutmeg in Isle of Dogs in 2018. And then was nominated twice for an Academy Award in 2019 for her supporting role as the mother of Jojo Rabbit in the film Jojo Rabbit. And she's wonderful in that movie. And then in the lead of Nicole in Marriage Story opposite Adam Driver. As I said, she was nominated twice for an Oscar, both in 2019 and then has been nominated four times for Golden Globes and a winner of the BAFTA for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role for Lost in Translation in 2003. She was a Saturn Award winner for Best Supporting Actress for her vocal turn in Her in 2014. So we have yet to see the best that Scarlett Johansson can give us.
1: What do you remember about your dad, huh? He was cold, he was calculating. He never told me he loved me, he never even told me he liked me.
2: Tony and Nick Fury work work through Stark's
1: daddy daddy issues. Well, then clearly you know my dad better than I did. As a matter of fact, I did. He was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. What?
2: Tony pulls out his father's blueprints, notebooks, and an old film of his dad's.
0: Everything is achievable through technology. Better living, robust health, and For the first time in human history, the possibility of world peace. I'm Howard Stark, and everything you'll need for the future can be found right here.
2: All pretty basic generic stuff until...
0: Tony, this is the key to the future. I'm limited by the technology of my time, but one day you'll figure this out. And when you do you will change the world what is and always will be my greatest creation is you
2: now tony goes to see pepper in his old i mean her office
1: i am trying to do the job that you were meant to do i need you i need you to too that's leave. what i'm trying to
2: now pepper leaves tony alone in the office when tony notices something in the model of the 1974 stark expo so Tony takes it with him back to his house, where Tony realizes that the model is just a big They're prototype model years. of a new atom that will power his suit, a source that will also solve the your power source is killing you problem.
0: The proposed element should serve as a viable replacement for Palladium.
1: Next time.
2: Now, good old agent Coulson lets Stark know that he needs to inside. leave.
1: Director Fury wants me in New Mexico. Fantastic. Land of enchantment. So I'm told. Secret stuff. Something like that. Hmm. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. We need you. Yeah, more than you know. Not that
2: much. In the meantime, Vanko and Hammer are at odds.
1: I saved your life and you give me suits. I don't know if you're a genius or a fraud. I don't know what you are. I don't know if you know this, but I don't speak Russian.
0: Vanko threatens Stark. What your father did to my family over 40 years, I will do to you in 40 minutes.
2: Tony realizes that Vanko is going to try to disrupt the Stark Expo while Justin Hammer is speaking.
1: Today, I present to you the new face of the United States military, the Hammer Drone.
2: Rhodey shows up in his full war machine suit, not realizing that his suit is really a drone powered by Vanko. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: today I am proud to present to you the very first prototype in the Variable Threat Response battle suit and its pilot, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes.
2: Now Tony shows up to stop the show, knowing full well that Vanko is up to something. We got trouble. Tony, there are civilians present. I'm here on orders. Let's not do this right now.
1: Give him a whiff. All these people are in danger. We gotta get them out of here. You gotta trust me for the next five minutes. Yeah, tried that. I got tossed around your house, Listen, remember? I think he's working with Venko.
2: Rhodey and the that drones suddenly arm against I'm Tony coming. and Iron Man, controlled by, by Venko.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa! Is that you? No, that's. I'm not doing that. That's not me. I can't move. I'm, I'm locked up. I'm locked up. Get out of here. Go. This whole system's been compromised.
2: As I now have come to expect with Jon Favreau-directed MCU films, we have a pretty well-done and choreographed aerial battle between Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Rhodey War Machine. No, no! Now back on the ground, Pepper and Natalie take control from Hammer. Who's behind us?
0: Who's
1: behind i Ivan, Ivan, Ivan,
2: The sky battle continues. Now Tony saves a young boy in an Iron Man costume from the evil drones. Side fact, it has been confirmed by actor Tom Holland, who plays Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that this young boy character who appeared in the movie was actually Peter Parker.
0: Nice work, kid.
2: Natasha shows up at Hammer Industries and goes full Black Widow. Kicking major butt.
1: I'm not staying in the car. I said stay in the car.
2: What are you wearing? Now Natasha breaks into the computers at hammers and reboots war Machine's system, giving Tony an ally against the other drones. What are you doing?
1: I'm rebooting Roddy's suit. Reboot complete. You got your best friend back.
0: Thank you very much, Agent Romanoff.
1: Looks like the fight's coming to you.
0: Great. Snap
1: out of it, buddy. I need you. They're coming. Come on, let's go. Get up. Oh man, you can have your suit back.
2: Vanco's drones show up and we have Iron Man and War Machine against many, many evil robot drones.
1: think you should lead with that next time. Yeah, sorry, boss, I can only use it once.
2: Pepper has Hammer arrested.
0: guy here? Excuse He's me? Placed under arrest. Are you kidding? Hands behind your
1: back, sir. I'm trying to help here.
2: Looks like we're out of the woods, but then...
1: Heads up, you got one more drone incoming.
2: It's Vancon in an Iron Man suit, and we have the mano a mano final fight. Good to be back.
1: Oh, this ain't gonna be good.
2: Tony and Rhodey team up to seemingly beat Vanko, but Vanko has one more trick up his sleeve. you lose. Tony flies in and grabs Pepper at the nick of time before she goes up in a ball of flames.
1: Oh my god, I can't take this anymore. You can't. I can't take this. What are you, look at me. My body literally cannot handle the stress. I never know if you're gonna kill yourself or, or, or wreck the whole...
2: Tony and Pepper finally kiss.
1: Weird. It's okay, right? I' not by me again. I think it was weird.
2: We cut to a nondescript building where Tony is looking at a folder called The Avengers Initiative. Nick Fury stops him.
1: I don't think I want you looking at that. I'm not sure it pertains to you anymore. Agent Romanoff's
0: assessment of you. Uh, personality overview. Mr. Stark displays compulsive behavior. Textbook narcissism.
2: Now, Fury gets Senator Stern to give Stark and Rhodey an award.
1: It is my honor to be here today to present these distinguished awards to Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes and Mr. Tony Stark, who is, of course, a national treasure. The end.
2: Except, of course for the post-credits scene. We see Agent Coulson pulling up to a dig in New Mexico. As he gets out of his car, we hear him saying, Sir, we found it. The camera pulls back to reveal Mjolnar, Thor's hammer. Post-script, Iron Man 2 premiered at the El Capitan Theater on April 26, 2010 and received generally positive reviews, including a generally positive review from the Bank of Marquis. It was praised for Downey's performance as well as for the action sequence, musical score, and visual effects. However, the film received criticism for its villain and pacing, with many critics deeming the film inferior to the original. And I would agree with that. It's not as good as the first Iron Man but a pretty good sequel. Now the film was commercially successful, grossing over $623 million at the worldwide box office. And it received an Academy Award nomination for Best Visual Effects. Now, Jon Favreau had a lot of friction with the Marvel higher-ups due to their constant intervention to the point that they were having him rewrite the script as the film was still shooting. In particular, elements such as the increased prominence of the S.H.I.E.L.D. subplot were the result of a need to establish the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe in preparation for the Avengers. And this came at the expense of the coherence of the film's own plot, at least according to Favreau. So these disputes got so bad that Favreau turned down directing Iron Man 3. Next time on the Bank of Marquis Movies Podcast.
0: In the gallant days when history hung on the flight of an arrow or the slash of a sword, when feudal barons ravaged the countryside to live in pomp and splendor, when one man alone dared challenge the might of his country's oppressors, Robin Hood, outlaw of Sherwood Forest and his stalwart band, robbing the rich to feed the poor, ready to fight for king, for country, or for maiden fair.
1: This forest is wide. It can shelter and clothe and feed a band of good determined men,
0: good swordsmen, good archers, good fighters. Are you with me? It's Errol Flynn as Robin Hood. Olivia de Havilland as Maid Marian. Claude Rains, Basil Rathbone and a cast of thousands. Reliving history's most colorful adventure.
1: I suppose you realize the penalty for killing a king's deer is death.
0: Are there no exceptions? Will you come with me? To Sherwood? I have nothing to offer you but a life of hardship and danger. but We'd be together.
1: Because I love you, Robin, I'd come. Even the danger would be nothing if you were with me. Let me ram those words down his throat, Your Highness. From this night on, I use every means in my power to fight you.
0: That's what's coming up next on the Bank of Marquis movie podcast.
2: If you'd like to reach out to us, email us at bankofmarquis at gmail.com. That's B-A-N-K-O-F-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at gmail.com.
0: Check out the website, www.bankofmarquist.com. And until next time...
1: I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching.